Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Monday Night Call. This is Jen Springer, Young Living Platinum, and I've been with the company since 2001. And I tell you, you know, time just goes so fast. It doesn't feel like work. I feel like I'm unemployed, really. I mean, I make these wonderful paychecks every month for Young Living, but I don't feel like I work because I love what I do, and it doesn't feel like work because most of us associate work with doing something that you either watch the clock and the minutes tick by as you <laughs> as you're sitting there wondering, you know, why am I here and I've got three hours to go and I finished my work a half hour ago. I used to remember those days. I'd walk around the, the plant I worked in and, you know, when I finished all my work I'd be like, All right, time to walk around and do some tasks or visit people or whatever. <laughs> it's just like a joke. You know, and with Young Living and having your own business, you can work a couple hours a day very laser focused and then have the rest of the day to do whatever you want to do, whether that is sit around and meditate like, you know, like a Buddhist all day, or you could go and donate your time to, you know, a a dog shelter or be with your kids or travel or whatever it is you want to do. That is why we do this business. And whether or not you want to make big money or little money, it doesn't matter because it's always you're always in the right space and the right time and making the right check. And one of my mentors, Danny Johnson, always says, you, your income follows your personal growth rate. And if you're not too happy with your check, then keep working on yourself. And you can never fail with investing into yourself and the betterment of your skills. And I always listen to her with that because it really is true. You know, if you're stuck in your business or you're flatlining, for, even if it's just for six months, look at, you know, step back and look at yourself. What's going on that you think is keeping you from growing? You know, one of the biggest, biggest, biggest mistakes I ever made was when I got to silver, I thought you had to manage your team. <laughs> yeah, that's like not correct, you know. And there's a rule that my mentor told me, and she said, you have to be you have to be working the business, talking to new people 80% of your time. And 20% is management mode, you know, doing trainings and, you know, creating manuals or website stuff or whatever it is. But you should always be talking to new people. And that's the mistake that I made. You know, when I got to silver, you know, you're always told, you're a leader now, right? And I, like, instead of walking forward and enrolling a lot of new people like I was, I kind of turned around and looked at my people and said, okay, people, I'm going to show you how to do this too. And I, I stopped bringing on new people and my business flatlined for eight years. Very painful lesson, (laughs) very painful, very frustrating. It was very simple though to turn it around when I said, oh, you know, I like turned myself around and I started running and leading everybody by sponsoring new people, having new classes, getting out to expos, and, and really just breaking out of my shell like I did at the beginning. And you know what's funny is that my people do the same thing, and I know a lot of you are listening, and you could probably tell that. You know, all of a sudden, a couple of years ago, your business is there busting loose because you were out there talking to people again and getting stuff started. And that's the true leader is leading, and your people will look at what you're doing and follow your example. If you get to a, a leadership rank and all of a sudden you're dictating and, you know, you're not talking to new people and you expect your people to do that, then that doesn't work. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work. I didn't dictate, but I sure as heck was trying to tell everybody what to do and it didn't work. So humble pie right here and uh, a flatline in check for that long. But when I started really getting out there and talking to new people again, like I was brand new, my whole team came alive, plus, of course, adding on a lot of new people, and that pretty much within a year doubled my business. So, and, and I wasn't a baby business either. I was a very, very strong gold, you know, a lot of volume. And within a year, I was able to double the business because I started leading by example versus leading by telling. Okay, I hope that makes sense. So Young Living is just you know, such a gift. You know, we can offer people health in support with that, and of course, we can help them with their financial health, whether it's for retirement security, plan B, or it could be to help pay for school loans or debts or put kids through school or just a replacement income. 
whatever it is, that's what we offer. And if it's for people, great. If it's not, that's okay too. And it may be somebody comes in using the product and then within, you know, a short period of time they want to do a business or maybe 10 years down the road they want to do a business. For those of you that are listening that are alumni, you know that's true. You have people that tell you, no, I'm not doing a business. I'm never doing a business, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, 10 years later, all of a sudden, right, they're like, I want to do this. I've been telling people, and you know, and it's so cool because it's always the right timing for everybody. So don't ever, as a leader, put expectations on your people because you just don't know whatever is going to happen. You know, when I would do trade shows and expos, People would always ask me the following Monday or Tuesday, well, how did it go? Well, you know what? I don't know. Ask me in a few years from now because the people I met today, they're all excited, but I don't know what's going to pan out in the long term, right? So never judge your expo. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but never judge your expo by Monday morning, okay, after the event's over. But let's go into the specials real quick. So this month is a little bit different, and I'm so happy that Young Living is doing this and honoring people on essential rewards. For the 300 PV, you get a – oops, I'm, I just jumped ahead of myself. I'm looking at my – I wrote this down the wrong way. All right, for 190 PV, you get the uh, 5 mil of thyme oil, okay? And if you're on essential rewards, you get the additional bonus of a 5 mil of the Taste of Italy, which is a special blend that's only going to be available to you if you're on essential rewards and you make the 190 PV on that order. The 250 PV is uh, the time and the taste of Italy. If you're on essential rewards, you get the taste of Italy. If you're not, you just get time plus lavender lotion. And for the 300 PV, you get the lavender and the time. But remember, if you're on essential rewards, you get the additional bonus of taste of Italy, which is four varieties of oregano oil and basil. Plus, you get... 30 essential rewards bonus points. So, yeah, I really like that because I'm on the two, you know, the 20% already. Plus, I did the the oil, the OYL program. So I got a bunch of more points because I got a bunch of huge things and stuff like that this month. Plus, I did the 300 PV. I'm going to get another 30, 30 points. So, essential rewards is definitely the way to go. And if you're not doing it and you're serious about your business, you be crazy, crazy if you're not on essential rewards. So get on there. Do at least 100 PV to make sure you don't miss out on any of the bonuses. Because you know what? Young Living offers you over eight bonuses. And if you're not on essential rewards, you're going to miss out on some of the bonuses, especially the star bonus. And you don't want to, you know, no offense to Young Living, but you don't want to leave money on the table and give it back to them. You, you know, you've worked hard. You deserve your check. Okay. All right, so tonight is our Monday night call. We do this every week. I don't know how long we're going to go because this is going to be another training like I did last month where I'm going to record these and then put them together maybe in a training series. So I don't know how long this is going to be, guys. I really don't know. It's not going to go over an hour. I will shut up if we go that long and just cut myself off. But I don't know. It could be a half hour. It could be 45 minutes. It could be an hour. But I promise you we won't go over the next hour that's coming. So if you're new to this call and you want to hear previous recordings, go to OurSimpleTraining.com and you'll see a button there that says Monday Night Calls. Click on that. You can put your email in there and you can get on the email list. And, you know, I also put some other stuff in that email, you know, random other things, some cool stuff and little anecdotes and whatever. And you can also know who's going to be on or what the topic is going to be before everybody else does. So, like I said, this call is going to be a little shorter, but I'm hoping to put together some training series for you, and that's why we're doing this. So let me take a sip of my tea so that my voice stays nice and soft, <laughs> like it could be soft having a Chicago voice, right? All right. So today's training is going to be about how to do a vendor boost. Well, this is how I grew my business the most. And for those of you that are listening that are in my team, you know that is true because either you came in through an event that I was at or your upline support did. I could tell you almost everybody on my first line came through an expo or some type of event. And, you know, when I first started the business, when you know, when you first begin, they always tell you, make your list of 200 names, people you know, people that you're acquaintance, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have anybody in my list, okay? I was in my 20s when I started Young Living, 
and my circle of influence was about as much as I could count on two hands, very, very small. So I had to meet people. And I had done shows with my mom and my grandmother doing antiques. So I was, you know, pretty blessed to have done that in my teen years, and I know how to do that. I knew how to do that. And I'm like, well, I don't know anybody. I need to go meet people. I know how to do these booths, you know, these shows, because we used to do antique shows. I'm going to do that. And I still, every time I do an expo, I still have the old table covers that we used when we did the antique shows. And, boy, I tell you, they were expensive when we had them made, but they're still around, and it's been like 20-some years. <laughs> it's almost 30 years. This is ridiculous. And it's, they only say they're made of iron. But those, um, those types of things and that experience is what I was able to bring in to do these events. Because, like I said, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have that list of names that I could work. I had no circle of influence. So what's the best way to do it? Put ads in paper? No. I don't, those are very expensive to put an ad in a paper. I did not know how to write ads. And, well, let me, I'll confess. I did a few ads at the beginning, and I didn't get any calls, so I didn't pursue that. But I, my ads, remember, I started the business in 2001. The Internet was not what it is now. So Internet promotion really wasn't the deal. But advertising in the paper, I did a bunch of different types of ads. Didn't get any results from that. I um, Let's see. How else could you meet people? Well, out and about prospecting, I wasn't really good at that. Believe it or not, I know you guys are going to be surprised, I'm an introvert. And I've had to work very hard on myself in order to become the apparent extrovert and have those skills of being able to talk to anybody no matter where I was. I was very shy and I had a hard time with one-on-one conversations. So I, the chances of me going out and meeting people in the grocery store and Starbucks line out and about was not really going to happen. Remember, my circle of influence was like 10 people. So like I said, I did my fallback and I did vendor events because you can meet a lot of people in a short period of time, whether that event is a few hours or a few days long. And so what I did was I went online at the time, you know, like I said, you could search the Chamber of Commerce. They always listed their events. I looked in the local newspapers to see what was on their calendar of events. And I would search on the Internet Mind, Body, Spirit Expos. Those were really popular back then. They're really not as popular as they were, but they used to be all the time, these Mind, Body, Spirit Expos, Health Expos, Women's Expos, Pet Expos, whatever it was, I called and I would get a booth at those places. And some of the booths were $25, some were free, and the most expensive one I ever did was $2,500. And I'll tell you, typically the price and the yield are not always equivalent. <laughs> you know, just because you spent $2,500 on a booth in Manhattan at a, at a complimentary alternative medical conference does not mean your business is going to explode. Honestly, the smaller events within my local community yield me better results than going to an area I didn't know people. So if you're getting ants in your pants and wanting to travel the circuit around the country and do expos and trade shows, let me encourage you to work your local community first because if you already have a presence in that community, to be able to get your face out there and show up and see people you know coming into these events, walking by your table, you're more likely to get them involved in your business because they already know you. And, they, you know, to some level they may trust and like you. Depends. Maybe you're not trustworthy. <laughs> Just kidding. But that is really, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. Plus, one of the things I used to do during the events, even if I was out of town, I would do this, which was hard, is I would try to schedule a class during the time of the event. If it was a couple-day-long event, I would do a class like on Saturday night. If it was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing or a Saturday, Sunday thing or maybe even a Sunday night class if it was just Saturday and Sunday because I wanted to get those people that were at the event to my class to get started in learning about the oils. So if it was a local community event, it would be easier because I could schedule it for the next Tuesday or Wednesday versus having to do it right there immediately. Okay. So that is how I got started. I boosted. it. I did probably, oh boy, two to four vendor type of events a month. It just depended. I was doing, you know, I call it my six-figure formula is this. One event a week to get to know new people. 
and that I usually include it as a vendor type of event. Another event that week would be an educational training type of event, and a third type of event would be just another either networking event, you know, going to chamber events or chip clubs or something like that to meet more people. So I would do at least three reaching out, more like lead generating items every week. Two definitely lead generating, and the third one would be more of an educational thing, like you know, a present home presentation or um, a class or a business training or something of that nature. And I did that for a couple of years, you know, a lot of years actually. And that's what I call my six-figure formula because it, you know, it replicates as well. When you have that type of mindset in your business, people will do the same thing. So find your events, but like don't. Don't necessarily gauge on how much you spend for the event and what your yield is going to be, okay? So go with what your budget allows. My encouragement is go make a mess at smaller events. Learn how to do them. You know, like I said, smaller events, anywhere from 0 to $50, $75 for that booth for the day, okay? And then from there, you can uh, go to the pros and put in, you know, investments of three to $400 into your booth for doing the bigger type of items. So let's go over the top 10 ways to have a successful expo. And then I'm gonna, I've got more things after this, okay? So number 10 is remember the four to six second rule, all right? People stop at every fifth or sixth booth. So you've got to have your, your stuff together, if you know what I'm saying. You've got to be more prominent. Look at your competition is around you. And I'm not saying competition like you're competing for people, but you're competing for people's attention. So what do you need to do to be the most prominent? Have really easy, large signs and banners and have some flowers, maybe have some glittery things in there. You want to have your, your booth an eye catcher, okay? And you want – we were at a booth – recently or an expo recently and we were walking down the aisle and then there were these lights like flashing on the floor and you looked up and you looked and it was a booth they were shining like sparkly lights off over the floor to get people's attention and this guy had like you know all kinds of stuff going on to get people's eye we recently saw uh, another booth there at that event where the guy had a banner a different booth the guy had a banner that actually was on it had a motor and it revolved you know, it was, it was like those stand-up banners on the floor, but instead of being just stagnant at one side, he had it made it like a, almost like it was on a belt, and the thing rotated for the, uh, the whole time. And you looked at that, and it caught your attention. So you've got to have, you know, that, that going for you because people, they don't stop at every booth. And some, you know, they, they just walk by and they judge, and they'll decide whether your booth is worthy for stopping or not. You know, you often you can use those, like, you know, we would do, like, a spinning wheel and give away things, or you could have, like, a, you know, beanbag toss or something, you know, to get people in there. Especially with Young Living, we often find that having a massage chair there and having somebody do chair massage is very, very helpful. But I will tell you this, don't get stuck on the chair the whole time. And make sure you know your regulatory uh you know, what agency in the area that you're not doing something illegal because if you're not licensed massage therapist in that town, it may be a requirement for that state. So just know the law as well if you're going to have a massage therapist. Or what we do here in town is we will often have a massage therapist come in, promote their business, use the oils on people that come into the event, okay, and then let them do their own lead generation, but so long as they're using oils on people. So then I wouldn't be tied up on the chair or any of my other people looking to build their business wasn't tied up on the chair. And they would get oils on people, and then we would take them and toss them after they got off the chair. So that's number 10. Number nine is have a clear message or theme. What are you trying to get across? You know, what impression are you trying to make? Please don't market all of Young Living's products at one time in an expo event, okay? Pick what is relevant. If you're at a dog or cat or horse event, go with that theme. You're not going to have, like, you know, the beauty care line necessarily there, you know, if you're going to be doing a pet expo, okay? So go with what's relevant and make sure your graphics will match that. So pick a few products to focus on and have the display very nice and choose a theme. Have everything color matched. 
your people should be matched, you know, what you guys are wearing should be matched, and have it look very professional and less is more when it comes to product, okay? So have your, you know, your essential oils everyday kit if you're going to feature that, and then nature red or seed, you know, and keep it, you know, we try to keep it simple. We will often do everyday oils and nature red. That's very much what we will do. If I'm doing a pet event, I will do everyday oils plus I will do the pet ex the the pet uh, kit. <laughs> I lost my my words there for a second. So focus, focus, focus. Don't try to focus on every product we have, and do not do information overload with brochures. I'll be honest. You've heard me before say this. I try to keep the brochures simple. If I'm doing an event like say for pets. I will maybe have one pet for sure there available, and I always I hold in the back the catalog, and I use the catalogs for people that are really serious, and I have some very inexpensive flyers that are available, especially those tear off pads um, that you can get from different places. I really like those because they're very budget friendly, and people you can put your information on there, and that's really important. Make sure your information is on there, and you can tear that off and then give it to people that are going by, and make sure that information matches your theme. Okay, don't have pet stuff at a children's expo. Okay, just follow follow me here. You got me? You, you with me? Okay. So number eight is have the right people in your booth. I will encourage you not to do a booth alone because people will stand and wait for you maybe for a minute or so if you're busy, but if there's more people in your booth, more camaraderie happens with, and more talking and more people come as a result of that. So have people that are there that are going to be having the marketing mentality, that they're there to talk to people to grow their business. It's not a social hour. You know, you guys might be best friends, but it's not about you talking and hanging out all day. You're there to talk to people, okay, and face the front of your booth and, and be available for people to talk to. You know, don't carry on a conversation and just let people walk by because you've you got to be approachable. Make sure that you talk to each other before the event and have a little huddle meeting Go over goals, objectives, you know, train people on your booth, show them where everything is, show them how to sign up people, how to talk to people, so that people have a clear expectation. Sometimes you will just, I'll have new people come in and I just say, just shadow me. Watch me, listen to me when I'm talking to people, and just come and learn how to do this, okay? Again, like I said, make sure everybody's dressed appropriately. If you're at a... Uh, you know, a kid's expo, you know, dress appropriately. You know, you don't always need to be wearing a three-piece suit, but you don't want to look like a schlep, all right? You know, my fashion statement is a little looser because that's why I have my own business, so nobody tells me what to wear. But I always look good, okay? Make sure you look good. Make sure you're clean. Your hair is combed. You got, you know, your gal put on some lip gloss with some color so you don't look like death warmed over, maybe a little powder on your nose. You know, look professional. You don't need to change who you are, but be approachable. Look professional. I always like it, you know, have your hair looking good. Don't have, like, the crazy Albert Einstein hair happening. Oh, God, one of the most important things is to make sure that you have fresh breath, <laughs> okay? There was a, a survey that was done once that asked the number one reason why people didn't buy from somebody is because of bad breath. So your thieves mint in your pockets. Use your floss the day before and the morning of. Get that gook out of your teeth so you don't have bad breath. Very important. Put peppermint oil in your water. Really critical. Have your team do the same thing. Have a little, you know, little thing of the thieves mint maybe behind one of the banners so that you people can grab them as they need them. Very, very important. Also have your expo kit. And what I mean by that is I have my, my bins, and I've talked about this even for classes that I do, but have your expo supplies in there. And, you know, show people what's in that kit. You know, I've got pens and papers and uh, enrollment forms and rubber bands and stuff like that in a bin and have that available for people, okay? And really important, one of the most critical things to do is make sure you network with other exhibitors. Sometimes the goal is in that. You might be at a booth that's a dead, you know, a dead one, and you're standing there staring at each other and nobody's around. Get out there and talk to other people, okay? So that is number Eight. Number seven is establish a color theme. I touched on this a little bit in one of the other ones, but make sure your eyes are, you know, the, catch, the, the color is catching. 
Young Living is very rich in the color purple, the color green, you know, maybe has some flashes of some yellow to draw in. You know, not not everything in yellow, but, you know, attention getters, yellow flowers. You might have some a banner with yellow on it, something that's going to draw in somebody's eye. Red also pulls in the eye as well. Red is the number one color to draw in somebody's eye. But don't make your whole booth in red. That would be a little intense. But have things that might highlight red in your banner, maybe some, uh, you know, some stuff on your your table where you can draw that. We have some big, uh, what do you call them, like pieces of paper that look like roses, you know, it's like for on a table. And we throw those on the table to catch people's eye. So make sure they're rich and they're bright. Green reminds people of nature. Yes, Young Living stuff is often in green, but accent your colors because red is excitement. Yellow is optimism. Black is authority. White is purity. And blue is serenity. So make sure you have some specifically designated areas of the, to bring in people's eyes, with especially red. Red will pull in the eye because people are trained to look at red for stop signs and emergency lights and things like that. So people's eyes will get pulled in when they see red. Number six is create an open atmosphere. So your table should not block your entrance. I often like to move the table back to about two-thirds of the way in. And why I say that is because I want to have a little bit behind there to store my junk. (laughs) But I want to be in front of the table. And, you know, as people walk by, I want them to be invited in versus standing there in the front. I want them to feel like they're in my home and I've got some chairs there for them to sit in and I'll pull it back a little bit. Be welcoming. It's very important. Have it like as if you're inviting somebody into your home. Like I said, draw drawings, games, you know, make sure you stay in the booth area, though. Don't be, you know, off there, you know, flannering around with people. And, and I've seen it happen before where you walk by and there's nobody at the booth. I mean, I understand if you're by yourself and you've got to run to the bathroom, but in general, that's why I always tell you, you can have more than one person. Have a buddy or two or three. Typically, if it's a really big event where thousands of people are coming through, you know, about four or 5,000, have two to three people in a booth. If you've got an event where tens of thousands of people are coming in through, you're going to want like seven or eight people working that booth for sure because, you know, some people are going to go off to have lunch. Some people got to go to the bathroom. And then there are those times when you get flooded and you don't want people to be waiting around and then leave your booth. So, and there's other rules here that are really important is do not eat in your booth and do not talk on the phone in your booth, especially nowadays with the cell phones and texting, unless there's nobody around, you know, if people walk by your booth and you're texting, that's a a shut off to them. Okay. And eating, I know if you're by yourself, it's a little rough again, why you need other people in there with you. But do not eat in your booth. <laughs> I've done it once or twice in emergency when I've been by myself. And I'll, like, duck down under behind my banner to eat. But there's nothing more attractive when somebody walks by and they you know, want to ask you a question. You got a mouthful of food, right? Not good. And if you're offering stuff for sale in your, or for sampling in your booth, like, you know, some bars or some smoothies or things or red shots, don't be drinking and eating those yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just funny. Okay, number five is use light. And I mentioned this already with the sparkly lights and the guy that had that. But when you get a booth, they will often ask you if you want electricity. And you do. If it's not crazy expensive, you do. You want to have some spotlights on your banners. You want to have a, a diffuser with the lights changing and the colors going and have that, that uh, ultrasonic mist going. You want the eye to catch things. You want light. Okay, so get some spotlights, maybe some uh, of those little, like they got little spark, little lights that move, you know, kind of like a disco light. You can have that going on. Even if at the top of your booth where people will look and look up at your banner and you've got that little sparkly light going up at your banner. So use light to get people's eye as they walk by. So number four is use giveaways and literature wisely. Determine who you want to stop at your booth. We have done booths where we've given away hundreds of dollars of stuff, you know, as people walk by. I mean, literally give away samples, things like that, and we haven't gotten a yield for that. I personally think one of the best things is to do a drawing. Use the drawing as a way to catch leads. So for somebody's name, email, phone number, 
and then, of course, have them, you know, write down what they might be interested in and then enter them into a drawing. And then at the end of the day, do your drawing. Either, you know, they'll announce it over the intercom if that person's still there. So that's very, very important to do because you want more exposure, more exposure, more exposure. And very often the people that, you know, have the microphone, the MC of the, of the event, will be more than glad to share that so-and-so just want to try and go back to booth 105, Young Living Oil, okay? Very often, too, the event will have drawings as well, so you want to get into that as well, you know, very, very much so. Give the biggest giveaways for the hottest leads. And I'll be honest, I'm going to confess for all of you who've done expos and, and actually attended them, I will flag the ones that I think are the hottest of the leads. I'll put an asterisk on the thing or I'll fold over the ear on the, the, the form. I'll make a note on there somehow because, you know, somebody that just comes through with a sticker, there's professional expo people, and they print out labels with their name, phone number, email, and they just go around and enter everything. And you don't even, you can't talk to them when they stop at the booth because they're too busy entering in the drawings. Well, I want somebody who is going to be more interested in what I'm offering. So I will, I'll be honest, I will flag somebody who I've talked to and, you know, they may have a better chance of winning. I'm <laughs> just saying, I'm just giving you the reality here. I, I promise that I don't lie to you, and that's the truth. So number three is less is more. I've already said that, but watch your clutter. Very, very important. When you set your booth up, step back and look at the booth with your eye. Can you, like, take yourself out of the picture, and can you identify what your booth is about just by walking by? So more is not better with brochures, you know, tons of little bottles everywhere. It's not, you know, have a clean look. You got sample bottles, put them together on one of those cool racks you can get. Have your literature in one place next to the item that you're featuring. You know, don't have personal items all over the place. No cups sitting out. People's coats should be underneath the, the table. You know, make sure that you don't have the... Um, the clutter that's going on, personal items under the table, not overwhelming. You want to have your theme, your message, have it clear. The graphics should follow that and stay simple, okay? Especially don't have food plate, plates of food on your table. I've seen that more than enough. And I want to add into this as well. A lot of events, especially evening events, will offer alcohol. Uh, not a good idea. Not attractive when the Young Living Essential Oils person is half in the bag, okay? <laughs> it's not professional. It's not our message with the company. You can go get hammered on your own time. But if you, you know, if you need a drink to loosen up, you might decide to just uh, do another t couple shots and things are red and put some stress away in there to loosen up. <laughs> so I just have to add that in there because I've seen it more than once. You walk by somebody's booth and they've got a mixed drink there and they're half in the can. It's not cool. So the second, the second to the last item here is the full color graphics rule. This even includes your handouts because you know your your people are going to glance your booth and you want them to to know immediately what you do. But the colors are going to pull in people's eyes. Pictures will tell the story. Remember that four to six second rule. You've got to be very specific. So invest your money into some nice banners. And like I said, if your budget is tight, which most of us, you know, we don't have thousands of dollars to be spending on every booth we do, get those tear-off pads. They're in color versus having stuff copied over at Office Max or Office Depot where it's going to cost you a fortune to have stuff copied there in color. So, you know, look around, shop around, get full-color stuff. And... Number one here at the end is it's not over until you hear singing at the end of the booth, at the end of the event. And what I mean by that is got to follow up, follow up, follow up. Your whole reason for being there is meeting new people. So you've got to have an incentive for people to give you their name and email, so drawings, also maybe a newsletter, or you want to do a follow-up consult with them. Very often people will be like, oh, I've got all this stuff going on, you know, and they want to suck like an hour of your time. Well, if you're only there for four hours, that means you only talk to four people. So what I'll say is, hey, you know what, let's talk about your personal issues. Let's, like, go meet for coffee or something, and then we can talk about this and see what would be best for you to start. 
because A, I want to make sure that, you know, I've got enough time to talk to other people, and B, I really do want to focus on that person. So follow, follow, follow up. You're the cream of the of the event is going to show up later in the follow through. I've been to events where we signed up 100 people in a weekend, and nobody ever ordered again because we didn't follow up. Okay, and so yeah, I know I can tell you a lot of stories about the flops we've had and the mistakes we've had. So that's one of them is not following up. You've got those list of names of people that want to know more about your product. Call them. Call them within the first day or so after the event while they're hot. You don't call them that night necessarily, but call them within you know the first two days after the event. You could say, you know what, you didn't win the drawing, but I can offer you a 15-minute consult, okay? There's just some ideas for you for the follow-up. Okay, so let's talk about things that you could do for incentives, you know, for those drawings. Well, you can give away pens. Pens are one of the number one things to invest your money in as a giveaway thing, even for the general people in your booth. You could do CDs, you could do oil samples, ninja samples, lip balms, lemon oil, little necklaces that have the miles in them. Those are very popular. I've seen people do soap shavings. You take the soap and cut them up into little pieces and put them in a little bag and give those away. Of course, you can give away a massage if you're a body worker or a raindrop. Um, You could do free class tuition coupons in the drawing or an oil consultation, or assistance that way. If you've got a Zyto compass, you could do that. You could do bath salts and scrubs. Those are very easy to do, very affordable to do, and you can also give away books. So those are some ideas for your giveaways so you can do your follow-up, okay? All right, let's talk about what to say in your booth. <laughs> this is These are my tips for a successful events, besides the top ten. These are tips for you know, getting through the event and getting people to converse with you and making the interaction. So one thing is be friendly. You know, don't have a frown on your face. If you ever walked through an expo and seen people sitting there with a grumpy face, you've got to be approachable. So talk to everybody. Even if they're not looking like, interested, strike up a conversation. I'll, you know, depending on where I'm at and my booth is at, I'll just ask somebody, so have you seen anything interesting here? I haven't made it around yet. Is there somewhere you think that is really cool? Don't even talk about your stuff, you know. Just say, oh, you know, I see you got some bags. What would you find? Just strike up conversation with people. Just be a normal person. Don't be a weirdo. Like, hey, come in here. Buy my oils. You know, you heard about Young Living. These are the best oils ever. La, la, la. Doterra's here. You don't want to talk to them. You know, (laughs) just like, don't be like that. Just be normal. Just talk to people, okay? Some of my favorite icebreakers, especially when people are stopping and they're looking. I'm just saying, how are you? (laughs) What's going on? You know, have you ever used essential oils? That's my big money ticket right there, guys. Have you ever used essential oils? I'm trying to find out if, to what level are they interested in. If they say yes, I'll say, oh, do you use Young Living? That tells me right there if they're a prospect, because if they're already using Young Living, I will often ask them, well, what's your favorite oil? How long have you been using them? Okay. Sometimes you'll find out that they use Young Living, but they don't have contact with the person anymore that they need to get the oil from and they're not enrolled. So, you know, always feel that out and do not be stealing people's people. You're going to get the smackdown on that. But you want to ask them, have you used, you know, do you use Young Living oils? Oh, okay, great. How long have you been using them? What's your favorite oil? If they say no, you say, well, have you ever heard of Young Living? So often they'll say no, believe it or not, even though we think everybody knows about us. So go from there with your conversation and lead them into specific interests. So another great icebreaker is do you have, you know, pets or, you know, is there is, if it's an expo for children. So do you have kids? You know, we use a lot of oil on them. Or you could be, if you're really creeped out, you don't have to say, just say, I like your shoes. You know, just come up with something to, to break the ice, okay, and, and get them interested in your booth. One of my other favorite things to say was there's, you know, kind of hanging out, especially if they're feeling a little cold to me, I would say, you know what, I'll back off. I'll say, you know, if you use the oils, no. Okay. And you can tell when they're kind of like giving you the cold shoulder. I say, well, great. Well, let me just give you the nickel tour of my booth. <clears throat> and then if you have any questions, just ask me. Over here, some brochures. Over there, things are red. That, you know, we use for this and that. And then if there's some oils you want to play with, they're over there. 
And if there's a book, you know, I've got a book over here. You can look up anything that you might want to ever know about with the oils. And my desk book is sitting there. And you can ask me any questions that you want. Just go ahead and have fun. And I'll step back out of their space and go, like, you know, straighten something up or get out of their way. Or I'll talk to the next person. Because if you feel that cold shouldery thing, that person just wants, it doesn't mean they're not interested, they just want some space. So I just back up, give them the little nickel tour, and I just say, have fun, play with the oils, and I'll just walk away. And then that gives the pressure off of them, and they're more likely to ask you questions. I can tell you, I've had so many people that will look at me with the cold, or give me the cold shoulder, give me that, like, look, that you know, like, go away. And I'll say, great, let me just give you a nickel tour, tell them where everything is. And as, even as I pull back to turn away, they'll go, oh, wait, what about this? <laughs> People just don't want to be pressured. But as they say, people want to buy. They don't want to be forced to buy or, like, pressured to buy. So here's some questions that I get very often with the oils. And uh, let me give you responses. Let me have a drink of tea here. All right. So one of the number one questions is, what's the difference between Young Living Oils and XYZ Oil? It doesn't matter who, you know, some other oil that's out there. It could be Now Brand, it could be another network marketing company, it could be whatever. Do not start slamming that other company. It does not matter who they are, what they are, whatever. Don't slam them. Just say, you know what? I don't know. What makes Young Living different, all that I know is Young Living has a seed to steel guarantee. And as far as I know, they're the only one that offers that. They can see the product through from it going from the seed into the ground, growing to the field. They oversee the distillation process, the testing of the oil, all the way to going in the bottle and being shipped to me. And I can actually go to the farm and walk the field and pull weeds and witness the distillation process for myself. And I don't know of anybody else that can do that. And even if Young Living doesn't grow the, the plants themselves, they partner with the farms around the world you know, is in, in partnership, and they go visit those farms and show people how to do their own growing and things like that through the partnership farms. And so I don't know who else can offer that, but I know Young Living does. They're very specific on how they handle the oils to preserve the integrity of the life force of the plant, to ensure the purity, to ensure that the seeds are not, you know, tainted in any way. And these oils can be used on the skin safely. We can take them internally for certain situations. And we can use them for humans and animals. And that's what I know about Young Living. I don't know about anybody else's oils, but I know that I've been using Young Living for however many years you've been using Young Living. And I've never had a problem. And I trust that these are, you know, that these are doing what they're doing because I, I can follow the process all the way through. And I use them on my kids, my animals you know, blah, 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 and then tell a story. And that's that's how you answer that question, okay? All right, so you can, <laughs> this is one I get all the time, and, and people say, oh, I already use therapeutic-grade oil, and I'm already using high-quality oil. I say, oh, really, are you using Young Living? <laughs> that's how I respond to that. Oh, really, can you take them internally? Oh, you know, uh, do, you, do you know the, the testing? You know, blah, 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 you know, so... All I say is, you know what, all I know is that Young Living follows these strict standards and I know they're going to perform as I intend them to. They're going to be safe and they're going to work. And that's how I, you know, I answer that question. I get this one too a lot. It's, people will come back and say, I get organic essential oils and I use those. And I'll just respond, you know, just because it's organic doesn't mean it's therapeutic. They can be extracted using some chemicals and solvents and they can be sold as organic. So you have to be careful with organic as well. And that's why I follow and I use these oils because I know that they're safe to use and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I go into the seed to seal thing, okay? Another question I'll often get a reply is, these oils are so much more expensive than the other oils I've been buying. <laughs> so you guys are, like, laughing because you've heard these. Well, this is what my response is. But you know what? We've priced other oils out there that are higher quality and therapeutic type of grades. And they're not, they're not guaranteeing their seed to seal process like Young Living does, but their prices are very comparable. So, you know, like with anything, you know, a Porsche versus, uh, you know, a low-end, you know, I was going to say Yugo, but when I was dating myself, a Yugo car, or like, uh, you know, a bottom-end, you know, a 20-year-old vehicle you can get for 500 bucks. 
that's the same way it is with oil. You know, and just because it's more expensive doesn't mean it's better either. You've got to know your company. You've got to know the quality and do your homework on it, and that's how you know. But Young Living's oils, Young Living oil prices are very comparable with other oils on the market that would be of, you know, of higher quality. But I stick with Young Living because I know that their oils are going to have the right purity that they're tested and that they follow through the entire process seed to seal. So, again, always go back to the seed to seal, seed to seal, seed to seal, okay? And people will say, well, why is it important to have, you know, a, you know, a therapeutic type grade of oil? I'm just burning them in my candle or something. They'll say something like that. And I'll say, well, you know what? Even if you don't take them internally, it's really important to make sure they're pure because they can be harmful if you inhale them or you apply them to your skin. So just remember, your nose is an extension of your brain. It's like hanging off there on your face. It's a part of your brain, your nose is. And the olfactory nerve that goes right there into the middle of your brain, you want to make sure that you're not inhaling chemicals that are going to possibly harm your brain. So if they're not the right quality, they may not work and they could be harmful. So even if you're not taking them internally, believe it or not, the number one way to get oils into your body at the highest concentration in your blood is through inhalation. And I want to make sure that I'm even breathing in the good stuff. That's what I say to people. <laughs> this is the truth. So, you know, people often, and I don't get this, uh, I guess to say, any, as much anymore as they did, but I used to a long time ago. I got this one a lot that says, I am not interested in network marketing. You know, and, and I get that rarely now, but it used to be a big deal. And some of you may get this objection. I say, you know what, when Gary Young was deciding to market the, these oils, Back in the day, a long time ago, he weighed out all of his options. You know, selling through retail establishment and, you know, being able to, you know, direct sales, network marketing. He looked at all the options, but he didn't choose retail as the primary way of distribution because he really wanted the knowledge and personal service to go with the product that he had available. And Young Living, you know, even though Young Living would make more money selling retail, you know, just selling direct to a retail establishment. They chose network marketing for so many reasons, and they wanted people to develop personal relationships and take care of other people, whether it was mentoring people with their health and or their finances by growing a business and mentoring them in business. They wanted to make sure the knowledge was passed on and and people really getting the service that they deserve. And that's what their commitment was, and that's why they chose network marketing. So if it's not for you, that's okay, but that's that's why they chose it. So that's how I respond to that. If people are kind of weirdos, then I'm just like, hey, have fun with yourself. You know, you're missing out on the best world in the world because you got to hang up on network marketing. I don't say that to them, but that's what's in my mind. <laughs> so uh, sometimes people will say this, they come up and they say, well, Young Living doesn't have all of the oils that I'm looking for. Well, I'm like, well, what oils are you looking for that they don't have? Well, they'll say, well, you know, I'm looking for lilac or apple oil or iris oil. Do you have those? I say, well, you know, those oils are not necessarily real. <laughs> you might like lilac fragrance or things like that, but uh, generally those are synthetic and they don't have any therapeutic value. So you've got to be careful of those types of fragrances. But the, you know, Young Living does offer the majority of oils that are available on the market, and some of them may not be available because of limitation. Like, you know, uh, what is it, uh, uh, vanilla oil is very, very rare, and Young Living doesn't have enough to offer it to the public, or like lotus oil, or you know, there's some really rare ones that they just have in some blends that are not available in the bulk is, you know, out there like that. Or even like uh, some oils in the kits like the Annika, you know, or um, there's another one too. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. But that's why. You know, it's either a limitation in volume or the oil may not really exist. So, like lilac. <laughs> oh, yuck. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, the stinky old like, perfumey smell of fake lilac that gives you a headache. You know, people often say, I'm allergic to oils and perfume. Well, I say, you know what? That could be very well. Uh, but when you have the true therapeutic grade oils, they don't have synthetics or chemicals in them, you may not have the same allergic type of response. Of course, always proceed with caution, and I'm not trying to force you into anything like that, but I would encourage you to explore the oils a little bit and, you know, poke around here and see how you do, see how you feel when you're in my booth. 
have fun. If you have questions, I'm right over here. And that's how I handle it, okay? All right. Another one I get is I've used oils before and they didn't work. I've had this happen more than once. And, I, of course, I ask them, did you use Young Living's oils? <laughs> you know, maybe you didn't have the right type of oil. Maybe you didn't have the true therapeutic oil, depending on where you got your oil. Or your body might need some help cleaning out. If your body's really acidic, it takes at least 50% more oils to see the effect. And so you might have, you know, the oils are going to do their job. They just might not be doing the job that you think they're doing. You know, they might be working on getting some toxins or something. So maybe think about doing some cleansing or something like that. The other thing is, as well, is that, um, you know, why they not, may not be working is because they, um, how do you want to say, they might have an oil that they picked up like at a health food store or something like that. I remember once I was at a booth and this lady came up to my booth and she goes, do you have an oil for this? And she pulled her sleeve up and she had this big brown mark on her arm. And I said, oh, well, uh, what happened? You know, you like you got to always proceed with caution. I got a burn, and I put lavender oil on it, and it didn't work. And look, and it was like this big brown scar. And I said, oh, did you use Young Living Oil? I mean, you always have to go back. Did you use Young Living Oil? No, I got some oil at the health food store. Oh, okay. And as we know, a non-therapeutic brain lavender can take a first-degree burn and turn into a third-degree burn. And I said, well, here, you might try this lavender oil. It might help with that scar. <laughs> I was like, ah, it's so important to use therapeutic grade oils. But, you know, people say they didn't work. Just be like an investigator, okay? Don't ever get defensive. Just say, well, what were you using? What were you doing? You know, sometimes you might try a different oil. You know, you just try to find get to the bottom of the situation. Um, you might have somebody say, you know, I've always heard that oil should be diluted and never taken internally. And you can just refer to, you know, there's all types of ways to use oils. There's different methodologies, and some people dilute them, and some people, you know, don't ever take them internally. And, you know, we follow all different methods here at Young Living. There's the English method, the German method, the French method, and then we're American. We do all the methods. You know, and if you don't want to take them internally, that's okay. But if you do, these oils are pure enough where you can do that. You know, lemon oil is really fun in your water. Some oils is basically that peppermint oil on a hot summer day. But, you know, even if you don't take them internally, I want to make sure I have the purity of oils that I can take internally if I want to, and they're going to be safe. So even if you just apply them topically, it's really important to have that purity so they're safe. So those are some of the main objections that I would get at an, in an event and how I'd respond to those. So... How I recommend and work with people is I will have the reference books available on my table. And if they ask me about a situation, they say, you know what, I don't know. And I just say, let's look up in the book. And this is a book that I use to help me get answers. And I'll flip to that book page and I'll let them read it. Because I don't want to be like diagnosing and prescribing. That's not correct. And you can, of course, use the appropriate languaging. You know, these oils support this system, this system, or that system. So be sure to use that languaging. You know, we're not going to sit there and say, yes, living oils, cure this. It's not legal. It's not fair to say that to somebody. But, you know, have your references available and say, you know what, when I have a question, I go to this book. And, and that's, you, you proceed from there. And share, you know, some of your own personal stories. And just remember, don't be diagnosing and prescribing. Watch your language so you're FDA compliant. So let's talk about booth etiquette. I'm going to cover some things that are important that I already did before, but we're going to do it again. Don't eat while working in your booth. If you deserve a break, go have one. Pay attention to who your booth mates are talking to and only step in on a conversation upon request. Don't, you know, try to butt in and definitely don't steal each other's leads because that will make somebody feel upset. Do not high pressure people into sales. Your goal is to create a high, a highly comfortable environment where people want to come back and learn from you but of course you want to be specific and make sure you get your lead generation and stuff like that you want to be efficient but still you know um, comfortable for people to talk to so if a, a potential customer returns to the booth ask who they spoke with and defer them back to that individual if it's not possible then you and the other person you know say the other person is also with somebody else Make sure you have a system so that everybody gets a fair shake. I tell you, nothing that used to make me more upset when I first started building my business is when I was in a booth with other people and it seemed like other people were being funneled all the leads and I had all my people taken away from me at the end of the event. 
So just be really fair with that and make sure everybody gets a fair shake, okay? And so if somebody you know, came into the booth and you worked with them for an hour and you found out your, your partner in the booth was also working with them, you know, come out with a way to make up for that. Just say, okay, I'll give them back to you, but maybe I can get a couple extra leads from the drawing and for me to follow up with. You know, come up with ways so everybody's happy. You don't want to have any ill feelings in a booth because you want people to keep doing the booth with you, right? So bring as few personal items as possible into the booth. Your purses, jackets, all that stuff needs to stay out of sight. Make sure you bring your business cards. Have your name, your phone number, your email, and your web address on them. Include your Young Living member number. If you have a clipboard, bring your pen, your paper, and a calculator. I encourage you to bring your own clipboard, even if, you know, you're going into a booth that somebody else is running. So have your clipboard, have some enrollment forms, pen, paper, calculator. You come as a professional, okay? Bring your own oil. If you're going into somebody else's booth, bring your own oil. If it's your own booth, of course you're going to have oils. But if you're going in as a guest of somebody's booth, have your own oil. It just makes everything easier and easier to keep track of things. (laughs) If you're going to have people um, come together as a a co-op, have it so that the booth is split up according to how many people are in it. I do not charge people for the booth if they're just shadowing and they're just coming to learn. But people are there actively enrolling people, I will then split apart the, you know, the cost of the booth. So if it was, you know, $400 and four people were working the booth, it's 100 bucks a person if they're working the table, okay? It's just, that's just the way it goes. So when people are doing booths and they're traveling, you know, pull together, help people, you know, with automotive expenses, carpooling, hotel expenses, especially if you're traveling doing events. I used to go all over the country and do the events, and we would ride together and share hotels. It just, just makes sense. Um, dress business casual, like a dress appropriate for the booth, you know, wearing short shorts and T-shirts, not, you know, cool. I pretty much in general, I feel jeans are okay if they're clean, unstained, unripped. You know, some people may not do that, but, you know, I have some very nice jeans in my opinion, and they're bright, you know, colored blue, and they are very professional looking. That's appropriate. But if it's a high-end, like, upper, you know, scale type of event, I wouldn't wear that. I would wear something different. I'd wear, you know, definitely business casual or up, up, upper business casual, I guess you'd say. And I'd be wearing some dress pants or a skirt or something of that nature or a dress. So some of the oils to wear for your event, abundance oil. Of course you're going to wear abundance oil. I will drip abundance oil around my boots <laughs> on the floor. Acceptance oil. So you accept the abundance and harmony is another good one for the event as well. So those are some of my favorite ones to have on myself personally. Also, I encourage you to wear white angelica. No offense to all the people coming to the booth, but there's a lot of energy in those expos, and you want to keep your energy to yourself. So make sure you apply the white angelica on your heart, your shoulders, the back of your neck, and you're also on your forehead, Okay and valor on the bottom of your feet to keep your body in alignment, and uh, what is the other one? Grounding to help you stay focused. Trust me, there's so much energy going on at those events. You want to to have your mojo in the right space. So come to the booth at least a half hour prior to the opening of the event. You know, whenever your event opens at 10 o'clock, get there at 9.30, even if you're already set up. Because it gives you time to, you know, people are walking around, the other vendors are walking around, or maybe you want to make a tour before the event opens. So remember, this is your business. Treat it like a business. You're not there to lollygag around and socialize with your, your partners in your booth if you're doing it, you know, if you've got more than one. So always stay focused on the people walking by, all right? So always follow up with your new enrollment within the first week, okay? Especially if, if they're ordering, make sure you know, follow up too when they get the order. It's very, very important. And, of course, always be inviting. Smile, have fun in your booth, and that's probably one of the most important things. When people walk by, smile at them. Hi. (laughs) Don't have your grouchy face on, okay? Don't be focused on your phone. Don't be sitting there with your reading a book. You've got to stay open. You've got to sit back. You want to um, have your shoulders up, your shoulders back, looking around. Be inviting, okay? So those are my main tips for the event. And like I said, the most important thing with your event is following up within that first week. If you're following up leads, do it within the first couple days of 
the event being over, you know, the drawing people, and people that enrolled, give them a couple days. I follow up with them after I follow up with the leads. So you call them, see if they have any questions. You know, do they have any questions about what they got at the event? If they put in an order, you want to call, and you know, when you think that order is going to be in. So very important, follow up, follow up, follow up. And then from there, you can get in. You know, what I would do is I would do the event, and then when people were excited in the purchase oils, I would say, great, well, you know, do you have some friends that would be interested in the oils or family? I'll come over and I'll do a mini class for you guys, and we can all talk and share stories and show you how to use them. And that's how I grew my network and grew my team. I met people at the event, and then I enrolled them. And then from there, during the follow-up, is when I made the connections to do classes and home presentations. So one last rule I want to give you before we finish here is remember the rule of 10. <laughs> so stick your hands out right now. Look at your 10 fingers, okay? Take your two fingers on your right hand and your two last fingers, your pinky and your ring finger on your right hand. Fold those over. Two people that are going to enroll with you are going to use Young Living products forever, okay? So now go to your left hand. Do the same thing. Your pinky and your middle finger, fold those over so you don't see them anymore either. Those two people are going to tell you where to stick it when you call and follow up with them, even though they enrolled with you at the event. They're, it's weird, trust me. I've gotten some weird calls and some weird hate mail when doing follow-up from people that enrolled at the event. So two are going to say yes forever. Two are going to tell you to stick it in your eyeball. So now you look at your fingers. You've got the remaining six. Those are the people you really need to focus on. Of course, the two that are excited that are going to order forever, you want to really focus on them too. But the remaining six, your service and your follow-up and their success and staying in your business or falling off is dependent on you and how you care for those six. Okay? So that's what I'm going to leave with you. Thanks so much for listening to this training, and I hope it was really exciting and very helpful for you so you can do these events and make it a blast also very successful.